Well, we did this yesterday, which was fun. Like, well, thanks for having me on your show. Wow. And, you know, <laughs> you know the drill. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll skip all of those parts. Thank you. Uh, do you have any questions, though, before we get started? No, I don't have questions. I'll just follow your lead this okay. time around. Okay, okay. Hey there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. Welcome everyone to the show. Today I have a fellow professional on the podcast, and I'm so glad to be doing this with them. Because when I found them on Instagram, I was like, wow, what a story. And you know, we chatted a little bit and we said, okay, we should totally collaborate. And I'm always happy when those, you know, um, what the fluffy talks, when they become like, when they happen for real, for real. So I'm glad that we took our conversations beyond the easy walls of Instagram. So joining mm-hmm. me today on the show is Michelle Mutoni. She's a global solution manager for a software company. And by night, she hosts the Jazzy Avekwa, which is French for chat with me. It's a bilingual French an English podcast about the lives and stories of the African diaspora. She was born in Burundi. You guys need to listen to this real well. So she was born in Burundi. She left Rwanda at the age of 12, and she has since lived in Germany, Senegal, the U.S., and Canada. Whoa. Were <laughs> <laughs> you guys imagining the, were you creating like time points on the, on the map while I was mentioning those countries? She loves connecting with people and hearing the different ways that they work to thrive in their lives. Everyone join me welcoming Michelle to the podcast. Hey, sis. Thank you. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Wow, what a How story. Um, I know, thank you. I, okay, let's just start with that. Like, okay, sis, what happened? Born in Burundi, you know, and then you left Rwanda. Like, so tell us how you grew up and why all those migration patterns that will put a lot of birds to shame. <laughs> well, born in Burundi, I mean, you know the story of Rwanda, right? I'm the second mm-hmm. Rwandan, I think, on the show. So it's because my parents were refugees in in Burundi. Mm. So my parents are Rwandan. Um, so I was born in Burundi because they met there and they, at school and yeah, got married there. So three out of four kids are actually born in Burundi. Uh, Our youngest one is the one who was born in Rwanda. So we joke that she's the only true Rwandan. So yeah, so after the genocide, we moved back to Rwanda. Actually, during the genocide, we actually moved to Swaziland for one year. I don't count it because it's like, I don't remember it. How old were you then? I know the genocide happened in 1994. Yeah, it was 94, so I was four. Um, Yeah, so we moved with my mom and my siblings at the time. So we were three because we were afraid that basically what was happening in Rwanda would spill over in Burundi because we shared the same ethnic groups. And you guys are close to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They are just south of us. And Mm. my family is actually from the south of Rwanda as well, Mm. which explains why we went to Burundi. Mm. Um, Yeah, but so, yeah, so we were in Swaziland for a year and then came back. My parents came back to Burundi and decided, like, ah, we're moving back to Rwanda. We're tired of this refugee life. Let's go see what we can do. So my parents moved to Rwanda and I grew up there from 95 to... 2002 oh and then 2002 that's when we moved to germany because both of my parents worked for the un and my mom got a job uh in bonn the old german capital Mm -hmm. so we moved there for her job and um that sort of kind of became i guess a turning point for us and my dad at the same time got a different job um, in back in Burundi, so my parents were sort of doing long distance for mm. four years, and then in uh, in two thousand and six, 
that's when we moved to Senegal because my parents were tired of doing long distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad had moved to Senegal. So my mom moved all of us to Senegal. And then I finished high school there and came to Canada for my undergrad. Uh, came to Montreal first. And then after that, studied in Montreal, worked in Toronto for a couple of years then decided I wanted to do my master's and I was going to do my master's in the U.S. because I already had an, a Canadian undergrad. So I moved to New York for two years and, and a half and then Trump got elected and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> and so I like how you just tied us to things like it was because of Trump. He didn't get a job. No, but you know, but it's real though. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Sounds very oh, I guess I wasn't joke. being politically correct. <laughs> 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 like he took your job from you like he went to the job and then he was like i'm gonna take you know that's why i laughed about that listen this that period was traumatic i was like um so i think i went to new york with such like high hopes you know mm-hmm. and like it was such a big bet and a big risk and and i mean i had worked hard and i had a good profile but and you got a was, master's in the u.s too right yeah exactly yeah so, what did you do your master's in and where I did an MBA at NYU. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All that, all that still alone. Girl, girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, but, but I think the devastating part was like interviewing and, and realizing that what was stopping, I guess, me from getting a job wasn't that people didn't think I was smart or that I wasn't able to do the job. It was more that I was an international student. And so giving me a job meant sponsoring me you know Mm, mm, mm. and at a time where it was like oh no more h1bs no more visas america first all of that stuff um i i kind of joke in a bad way that 2016 was like 2008 for the financial district oh wow (laughs) for the international students because a lot of us were really struggling um to get jobs and it would like it was sort of uncertain and I mean, I count myself privileged because I could come back to Canada. Like I, yeah. I had a Canadian PR and such, but um, there were other people who I don't know had to go back to like their own respective countries, hmm. you know. And so, yeah, so then that's how I kind of did my stint in the U.S. and then, then came back to Montreal and have been here since. And how long ago, I mean, how many years cumulative just went in the U.S.? Two years? Yeah, like two years and a mm-hmm. half. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for that. So I'm just curious to know, how many yeah. languages do you speak? So I know you speak French and you speak... Um, and I speak Kenya Rwanda as well. Ah, uh, um, Kenya Rwanda. That's the that's like the one that's speaking Rwanda. Yeah. Yes. I remember exactly. from my guest, um, Claire. Um, she speaks that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you speak Dutch or German? No. So I don't because, like, I know basic words, right? Like, good morning. I can count. I can good add. Morning. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But um, but I didn't learn. It's interesting. So because Rwanda was originally french speaking right because um, well originally german i guess but after world war ii it was belgian so then we we spoke french and Mm -hmm. when we moved to germany we only spoke french but they weren't really where we were they weren't really french speaking schools so we had to go in an international school to learn um to learn and learn english and so the time that we would have spent, I guess, learning German. We were learning English. So I always say that I learned English in Germany. Um, and people chuckle, but it's true. Uh, but, but yeah, but that's how we end, then didn't end up learning German because, you know, we're in an English school and our English as a second language, we had English as a second language where other kids had German classes, you know. So we really just learned um, the everyday German to, to, to like, operate in the streets you know like when you go in a store and such but then by the time our English was good enough to learn another language like to start learning German then we moved to back to Senegal so so I never like formally learned German okay yeah so um in all these ways that you've you know you've had to pack up and leave and you know um basically put roots everywhere 
of all these countries I'm thinking about now, I had to think about this question. When you think of home, which of these places, you know, evokes that mental image of what home is like? Home, oh, that's such a, gosh, that's such a deep question. I mean, I think home is always, home is fluid for me, to be honest. I mean, like the core of my home, obviously, is Rwanda. I, I identify as Rwandan and I still have a lot of family there and my cousins, like the people that I grew up with, the people that I know have my back forever and never is my family in Rwanda. So that's always going to be my, my core, my home. But I also know that home is really where the heart is, like where your family is. So for now, I guess my second home would then be Montreal because I'm here um, and I'm getting married. So my husband is here. And so we're creating like a second home and my siblings are here. But I, I think more than other people, I have the flexibility. Yeah. Like, like I can just get up tomorrow and move and I know that mm. I'll be fine. You know, mm-hmm. like we'll make it work wherever we go. So it, it's kind of interesting because I don't really see boundaries, even though like sometimes your passport will remind you of boundaries. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> you can go there. Just go watch the YouTube version. <laughs> But like, I don't really see boundaries. Like Mm -hmm. for me, it's not, those are, it's not an issue. Like I know we'll figure it out, you know? Um, But, but yeah, so I would say my main home, I guess, Rwanda is always going to be my heart. And then the second home is wherever I am at that moment in time. Okay. Well, I mean, I always find out that for international people, and for you being a third culture person as well, I like asking that question because I try when we, like for me, when I feel really homesick mm. right now, home, the home I am for is the home that I, that I had like my childhood really. Yeah. And where I spent most of my time and that was Lagos, Nigeria. But I, every time I go back there, it's just so many things remind me like, okay, this is different from how you grew up mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. So I thought it was going to be like a, a nice way to just kind of get to know more about you. So thanks for that. Um, another cool thing about you is, I mean, your podcast, which we're going to explore. So, but I'm, I'm, I want to just ask along the line of acculturation, given all the places you've moved to, how has it been like adjusting and especially making friends? You know, oh, uh, I can't even imagine. You know, I mean, you seem like you're in your is it 30, 20s, late 20s, and the 30s. Yeah, I'm turning 30 this year. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday in, adv- in advance. <laughs> is, um, so, how are you able to build roots in community, given that you've moved around quite a lot? Yeah, God. Yeah. So hmm. I don't know, actually, and I will lead into the podcast, but I I guess for me first, I've always been very active in my community. And I think that's something I learned from my parents. They were also very active. And my first friends are always people that I did things with, you know? Mm -hmm. So for example, when I well, first it was I was in high school and such, so that's easy. You're in school, right? But when I was in university, my first friends were the friends that were part of the African club because I was like, okay, I'm in Montreal. I don't know what's going on. Let me go find people like me. Mm. So I joined the African club and I was part of the committee, you know. And then um, at the friends are people. Yeah, I, I just try to find people with similar similar interests. So mm. either coworkers that I get along with, but it's mostly people that I have met through the different clubs and activities that I do outside of the city. And for me, particularly, especially because like you said, home is always so, so, so fluid. I try to find people that will remind me of home. And usually those are Africans. So I join a lot of like uh, African professionals group, African cultural, actually African professionals group. I I join and I meet a lot of people that way because I'm like, you're like me let's talk and hopefully we like each other you know yeah 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 Hmm. thanks for that um so i i noticed that with a lot of international people as well like you said like um most of you relate with are those that basically share the same misery and by misery i mean that longing you know for home Mm -hmm. I think is it the Danish or the German people that call it Saudade? Like almost like a nostalgia feeling. Mm -hmm. But how do you like so now, like which of the countries you think you're most interested in? So for example, for me, 
I mean, the only two countries that are that are really on my mind, apart from the U.S., that's Nigeria and Korea. Korea, Nigeria and Korea. So anytime mm-hmm. I hear news, uh, anything about Nigeria, my ears just perk up, like almost like a Pavlov level of conditioning where I'm like, what are they talking about? Well, like I just hit Nigeria, like here, like I want to know what's, what's happening. Like, yeah. Do you, are you, do you have the same level of interest in all of those countries you've been in or just, you know, uh, Rwanda, maybe just Canada? So I would say I definitely pay attention to what's happening in Rwanda also because there is a lot of, th- there are a lot of great things happening in Rwanda right now. Like, Sometimes I look at some of my friends that I went to school with and I'm like, had I stayed home, would I have been like them? You know, like, would that have been my path? So there is always that question where you're always like, ah, should I move back now? Or should I stay? Like, what's my path? Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I always pay attention a lot to what's happening in Rwanda. And I keep in touch with some of my friends, especially those that are in tech and similar to what I'm doing. Cause I'm like, maybe one day I can work with something similar. I also actually pay a lot of attention to what happens in the U S like I know the U S is quite problematic in a lot of ways, but it's still such a powerful country and it still has such a huge place in the world, you know, yeah, like the, um, especially everybody else gets cold, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're also seeing that with China now, right? But um, literally with the COVID (laughs) nineteen. Yeah, exactly. But with the with the US, especially now that I'm in Canada, which is also part of why I I moved to the US in the first place, is the US is ten times the economy of Canada. Think about that. I think the like the population, I think as well, almost. Yeah, exactly, and so if you think about it, like in terms of like career opportunities, in terms of growth, in terms of what you can achieve as an individual, there was just so much more that you can do, you know? And so for me, it's kind of always that pull and push of, yeah, okay, do what you can with where you are now and what you can now versus because I am so like flexible being like, Oh my God, but should I move? Should I, mm-hmm. should I move? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? So there is always like that pull and push, but I would say, yeah, I look at Canada, of course, what's happening here. I look at what's happening in the U S I look at what's happening in, in Rwanda. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are I I I mean thanks for putting that on Rwanda, US and Canada. And as an African I'm actually quite I'll say about Rwanda. Mm. Uh, I have a couple of friends there and I've heard them just, you know, they have I mean the beauty of just having friends is that some like the opinions are so diverse, which I kinda like. So um in talking about just the growth that Rwanda is kind of going through right now, it's very encouraging for me as an African, as a Nigerian, to see that, all right, there's a country getting it right at least. Mm Because I know that Rwanda right now is being pegged as the next Singapore of Africa. And Mm -hmm. that's because of your leader, Paul Kagame, and just um, the growth and and I think the inclusivity and the progress. And I say that it's sad that it had to take, like, what, millions of people dying from the genocide Mm -hmm. to get there. Um, But I think another, I mean, I try to also, conflict what's happening in Rwanda with what's you know what could potentially be obtainable in Nigeria. But mm. we do have a lot of challenges in that we are more populous than you guys. Yeah, you guys are, you know, it's a big. very small country. Mm-hmm. Um and then it's I mean you have like two major tribes, Tutsi and the Hutus, Hutus rather, but it's not uh how I put it, it's not as heterogeneous as Nigeria is. We mm-hmm. have several tribes and mm-hmm. you know, I've really been quite you know cohesive as a whole yeah but i'm just curious to know like um is rwanda gonna be a place you like consider consider moving back to anytime soon given just how much progress is happening right there right now yeah so girl i've always struggled with that question um (laughs) (laughs) and i i'm retaliating because people get to ask me that all the time like stop asking yeah but yeah yeah um maybe Right. Like I, 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 I don't know. So yes, I, w- I, w- I would consider it, but I also think that, so I truly believe that we each have a path that we are meant to live in this life. Right. Mm-hmm. And that we each have yeah a calling or a path that we're supposed to lead. 
And I think that there are many different ways to get to the same results, you know. So the way I look at it, because I have struggled with this question a lot, is am I being more impactful, me as Michaela, mm. as let's say working for a big corporation and maybe succeeding in that corporation and being the face like, oh, look at this younger Rwandan woman. Well, now it's Canadian Rwandan woman, but who has succeeded you know, versus maybe going and working in, an, in a random organization on the ground and succeeding as that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a long-winded way to say, like, maybe I will work in Rwanda if I find the right opportunity. But I'm also marrying a Ghanaian. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. East, so. East, East meets West. west. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. East meets yeah. West, indeed. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm also marrying a Ghanaian, so Ghana is also an option, right? Like, mm-hmm. what could you maybe live in, in Ghana and, I don't know, try to do business in Ghana and in Rwanda at the same time? Um, but definitely has to be something on the continent in the next... I don't know, five to 10 years. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't know, girl. Like that's a, that's a long question. I would love to find a no. way to make it work, like to do something, even if I'm not, let's say they're a hundred percent. But at least like invest in a business um, yeah. or start a business with someone, like do something and have some form of impact. I know what you mean. I know mm-hmm. what you mean. And I think it's what a lot of us struggle with. And um, what a question now, as two questions rolling into one. How would you describe yourself? Would you call yourself Rwandan or Canadian or just, you know, somewhere in between? And then second question is, what what has your impression been, like as an African who, you know, you started in Africa now and then you're somewhere in North America, but what do you think of Nigeria and and it's okay to bring out just your biases. Let's iron them out <laughs> right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You will okay. not be in trouble, I promise. <laughs> First, my identity, uh, Rwandan or Canadian. I guess now it's both, you know. I will forever be Rwandan. But I actually had this conversation with my parents where it's like, we have been heavily influenced by living outside, you know. So I think me... Now, I guess accepting my Canadian identity is me also accepting that my point of view is not the same as a point of view of a Rwandan that mm-hmm. lived in Rwanda their whole life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think for my peace of mind, I probably will refer to myself as like Rwandan Canadian. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that kind of shows the complexity, I guess, of yeah. my thought process. Not about Nigerians. <laughs> Wait, let me let me get a bottle of wine. Let's get something stronger. Soldier, please. So I actually, so I have I've had Nigerian friends, and actually, in uh, when I was in the US, uh, I had Nigerian a Nigerian roommate. Niger- I called her Nigerian American because mm-hmm. she was born and raised in in the US. She did yeah. not like that at all. <laughs> And she was like, I'm Nigerian. <laughs> and it goes back to this whole question, this whole discussion we're having. Because for me, I was like, yeah, but you're American. <laughs> you know, oh. like you're like, you're, you're not the same Nigerian as a Nigerian. You get why she was, a, um, she was you yeah. get why she was a little bit, because there's something about being called American. Almost like you're not yeah. in culture. But it's like, but yeah, I, I know what it is. I mean, she's Nigerian American, you know, yeah, but, but like, she's American. <laughs> So from that discussion, I learned that you don't discuss, like, identity, we're not going to debate identity, right? Like, mm. you tell me how you want to be identified. I would, yeah, I would, I'll, I'll follow suit. I mean, I remember, exactly. so remind me all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I will, yeah. I will respect that, you know. Mm. Uh, but also identity is very personal and is, is a very sensitive topic, you know. So, but I do like Nigerians. I have a lot of love-hate relationship with Nigerians. Let me tell you why. Mm. So there are so many of you. So many. <laughs> oh, honey, we're just that only 200 you, million. That just. you, yeah, that you eclipse the rest of Africans. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, I know. And, um, I know. And, and, and so every African event, like even let's say <laughs> here in, when I was in Toronto, because Toronto is Anglophone. Anyone mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I shouldn't be laughing. But but it's because you know, you're laughing. I know, I know, I know. We're so guilty In Toronto, every Mm. African event you go to, 90% of the people will be Nigerian, (laughs) you know? It's the same thing in New York. You go to NFL, 90% of people will be Nigerian. And then, like, if you go on a panel, Mm. all of them. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there like, guys, we have 54 countries. (laughs) Find another African. Like, are you for real? You know? Um, so I feel a little bit bitter about that. <laughs> you haven't said you haven't said what we don't know already, and I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like I, I, I bet you a lot of Nigerians think like as far as African map is concerned, it's Nigeria. Nigeria is like the chunky one, somewhere in the armpit of Africa, and then everything else is just other countries. Like, exactly. We don't care about them. <laughs> and then, like, you are so confident. Let's call it confident. Uh, with your whole, like, Nigerian, no, Nigerian, no, they care. I like to call it confident, but you, you can actually say loud, because we are loud. <laughs> it's okay to say loud. We know yeah, that. the whole, like, uh, Nigerian, no, they carry last. It's like, they so- carry last at all. Are we carrying last? Are we, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and like Rwandans are so proud too. Like we're such a proud people. Yeah. And, and, and so there was always a little part of me that's like ouch like who do you think you are Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but I can also then accept that and respect that because one thing I do appreciate a lot is that wherever you guys are you do find a sense of community you know what I mean like you find a way to work together and you find a way like whatever drama there is between Nigerians you will never know that as an outsider Mm -hmm. you know like as long as it's a Nigerian and we're talking about another Nigerian, it's like yeah, 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 yeah. Keep it yeah. in, keep it you in, know? keep it in the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we need more of that, you know. And um, and you will see. So part of my show, it's for it's so funny you said that. I was like, I really have to find other Africans that are not Nigerians. <laughs> Good luck finding it. But statistically, like, like nine out of ten, or is it seven or eight out of ten um, Africans you'll find in the US are Nigerian. Nigerian. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're traveled, we're educated. We just, we just occupy spaces like matter. You totally <laughs> do, and you own those places, you know. Yeah, and and yeah, and it's yeah. interesting too. Like I think about it. Um, I think Nigerians because we're such a big country, but I also think, as a result of um, colonization, probably mm-hmm. if we think at the like the the generations that are studying now, probably on the second generation for the younger ones, probably third generations of Nigerians studying abroad. Yeah. Because like some of uh, like Nigerians parents, you know, like not maybe your parents, but like parents of your peers had already studied in the U S or had already studied in the UK. So there is a little bit of that advantage of having had parents who went through that process and who understand it and could sort of guide you or had some sort of a network. Whereas if we look at Rwandans, we are the first generation. Mm, you know? mm, I see. My peers and my people who are like a little bit older than us, we're the first people to study abroad. Mm, so mm. we are kind of going through this experience right now and sort of figuring it out as we go. But we didn't have yet that big network or, or some sort of support system that could guide us around it. Yeah. And, and, um, and so there's a bigger learning curve, I think. I know, uh, but mean. I mean, ultimately, man, it's all love. Me, I stand anything African, you know. Like, I want all of us to succeed. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Thanks for um, putting it that way. And I think I've always wrestled with that. I I do see how that's a good thing in, in the sense of just promoting Pan Africanism. Yeah. But the flip side of that is that we muffle the other voices that matter. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Nigerians can do to help you know create visibility for other African countries. So mm-hmm. when I have Africans in this, I've had someone from Lesotho, I've had someone from Rwanda, I've had someone from Egypt, like, you know, places yeah. that, you know, I always saw on the map growing up in Nigeria that we didn't really talk about each other's history. Mm-hmm. I bet you guys, the only reason people know about Nigeria is because Nigerians are everywhere. But yeah. I bet a lot of Africans don't know so much about other African countries. And therein lies the problem. We weren't taught our, our history and how, for example, Ghana 
you know, we help them with their independence and all of that. It was just something that you learned a lot during school. And even how the positioning of other African countries and how they helped other African countries stabilize across time. I don't yeah. know a lot about that. So I really blame our leaders in that respect because it feels like we're just all doing different things and putting all our energy in, into different directions. Yeah, mm, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, but <laughs> I like how you said that. For me, Rwanda, I think the first my first exposure to Rwanda was unfortunately when I watched sometime in April. This mm, was um, that's a sad one. Yeah, mm. it, it really cried a lot. And then there was no Google, there was no internet, so I remember yeah. just picking up this encyclopedia and reading about Rwanda, and I wanted to know more. I wanted to read more about it, but all I had to rely on was just the movie and whatever I could glean from um, the encyclopedia as, as far as the country and all of that. And so, so newspapers, newspaper clippings. So imagine just the frustration I had as a child because there was no Wikipedia, there was no Google, yeah. like that. Yeah. But um, so far, so like from my interaction with Wandans, um, I do see the cautiousness to avoid talking about tribes, you yes. know, I had made that mistake of just asking, so what tribe are you from? Like, you know, and she was like, oh, I will tell you, but be careful, don't ask any other Rwandan because, you know, I mean, because of what happened. And so I had to quickly adjust because I'm just that person that will just keep asking questions and yeah. sometimes get into trouble because of my questions. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that she explained why to me because, you know, mm-hmm. you don't ask about a tribe. Meanwhile, in Nigeria, the tribe was, is like the first thing you're going to ask. Like, oh, so what tribe are you from? Is yeah. It from their name or from the way they look, you know. You could, because you just want to know how to basically relate better, or just sometimes stereotype. Because you know we do things by tribes. Of so, course, I thought that was something unique about Rwanda. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm just curious to know why do you think, as an African, you know, we don't really get to talk about each other's history, and how do you think? What are some of the ways you can start breaking those? Um, I think ignorance is the word for it. that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily? For example, in the US alone, one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month. Well, that's a lot of people. Do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal, affluent, and educated? Speaking of these virtuous qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the Marcible podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talk to more at mosible.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mosible.com. That is www.mosibyl.com. Well, I think it all goes back to our education system, right? Um, I mean, growing up, if we think about it, I was in, um, in a francophone school, but we were following like a Belgian system education. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were learning about, at least I knew like the geography of the world. You know, we were memorizing like all of the African countries with their capitals and we're memorizing Europe and their European countries and, and their different capitals. But we weren't really studying, but then maybe I, I might be biased, but from what I remember in primary school, yeah, it was that. We, we studied like a little bit of Rwandan history, but it wasn't a lot. And we definitely did not study the history of other countries, you know. And yeah. then after that, I moved. So middle school, it was all over. I went to learn about Europeans and the U.S. But I think it's about, yeah, us sort of reclaiming our education system. And then when we have geography and history, learning about ourselves first rather than learning about other places. Yeah. And then part of it is also us, I guess, finding those sources of information in other ways. You know, like my mom does a really good job of sending us, she goes and finds, she likes history. So she will go find like the randomest website, which has like all of the random history and like all the kings and all the queens and what happened and all of these things. And she will send it to us to read, you know, but most of the time, and this is like the millennial in me speaking, it's not consumable in a 
quick manner. You know what I mean? It means like I'm going to sit there and I'm going to read all these articles. You maybe you're a PhD person. You like research. You will do that. Mm-hmm. You know, me, I want a video that will give it to me in five minutes. <laughs> you know what? Like, so, quick, like the summary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like give me the summary or at least give it, give it in a movie or give it in, give it in a podcast, give mm-hmm. it in a other way. Like we've gotten really lazy, I think, as a generation when it comes to reading and such. There's so much but, information coming at you. I mean, with Twitter yeah. giving us how many characters and then Instagram just pictures and few words. Like, yeah, you know, so <laughs> finding other ways to sort of distribute that information. I mean, we'll have kids some days like... How how am I gonna tell my kids these stories? You know, and I remember in primary school we had like short books of like like running fables and and like prover- proverbs, I guess fables, I guess is the right term. Aesop fables, fables, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, like story, you know, like stories that have a meaning. Mm-hmm. Fables, yeah, yeah, like yeah, Aesop fables, Aesop's fables, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like random ones, you know, and we oh, would read that. Those ones. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We would read that like in primary school and oh, some of yeah. them were like in Kinyaranda and stuff. So I think we just have to, and, and it goes back to this whole thing of creating content, considering that our histories are usually oral, right? So how can we create content and record that content in a way that it doesn't just stay with the, with the people that know it, but it can yeah. be consumed for generations to come. I see, I see. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're going to do a little bit of a switch now to mm-hmm. um, one-minute questions. I'm oh, sorry, one-minute responses are the questions I want to be asking you. Oh so, okay. <laughs> in one minute, you went to grad school, got an MBA. Do you think grad school is for everybody? Yes or no? And why? No, uh, no definitely not. I definitely think it depends on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Would I have had the job I have today if I did not go to grad school? Absolutely not. Because I didn't even know it existed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the, me going to grad school helped me figure out all these other options that I did not know were available. But I also know that, like you said, I took on like a lot of student loans that now I have to live with. But also even getting a student loan is a privilege that people that can't even get student loans, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also there are just people that don't like school. And I learn better in other ways, whether it's by doing or by like maybe the preferred trades or something like that. So mm-hmm. no, grad school is not for everybody. I think you have to follow your path. Cool. Well, um, thank you for that. And the second question is, what do you think our purpose is here on earth? Like, what are we supposed to do on earth? Like, uh, I mean, the question is very self-explanatory. What do you think your, our purpose is here on earth? I think our purpose on earth is to serve. Maybe this is the Christian on, in me, but I really truly believe that we are here to help other people. Like I've made so many mistakes and I've learned so much. So I think it would be very selfish of me if I, I don't share what I have learned, whether it's, I've learned it through school or I've learned it through mistakes I've made, but I cannot be the only one succeeding, quote unquote, in my life and then leaving everybody else hanging, right? So I yeah. think our purpose on earth is to help other people other people in their path, other people with, with whatever, like help them figure out themselves as well. I so agree with that statement. And I always say, and I, I was it Gandhi, I don't, I don't remember who said that. And it's like, mm-hmm. no man has, um, served, has helped others without in real way helping themselves. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. So you, you had like a bit of a career change or? Yes. Yeah. What has been, well, what advice would you give anyone that is navigating a career or dealing with a career switch right now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, to figure out why they want to change. Mm. Because when you want to change careers, people will tell you no all the time. Because your current resume doesn't look like where you want to go, right? So you have to keep, so you have to know deep down why this makes sense for you. So for me, switching, let's say from retail to going to tech, I had to really know like, why am I going into tech? And I had to keep telling that story a thousand times to multiple different people. But I also had to really truly believe in it because I got rejected so many times. Um, And also, so that's one to know why you're doing it. And, Two, to know how your story fits. So how are you going to explain that switch? Because ultimately, that's how we'll open the doors for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. 
And then I think is I'm almost on my question is what are the traits you think that will determine success? And this we can the context could be anything, could be success in life, at work, or just you know, in purpose. Like what are some of the traits you think would determine um that what are the traits that determine success? Uh, one is perseverance, and with that, I guess goes patience. Um, I'm I'm not a very patient person. Like I want results today, you know, but I'm learning. But I'm good at persevering, which kind of doesn't go. So it's like if I know that I'm almost there, I will keep going and keep going and keep going. But I, because I am impatient, I will I will feel bad about keep going because I want the results yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think really patience is one of the best qualities ever like i'm getting to understand that lesson and perseverance to just keep pushing because things never happen when you want them to happen you know so you as long as you believe in what you're doing it it, it pays off eventually but you you have to keep going you know Thank you for that. So perseverance. Um, and I think finally, 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 looking back as, you know, your life as a, I'll call you a third culture kid because that's what you are. I totally am. Yes. Yeah, TCK. And yeah. that can be quite hard to navigate, especially that feeling of just not belonging somewhere. Like you're yeah. for everybody, but not for somebody in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, for parents that are listening to this with kids in this situation, like, because I, so one of the things I, well, one of my, one of my podcasts a while ago was Tanya Kassman, and she's based in China. She's Australian, based in China, married to an American, and what she does is TCK. And from her, I, she has a, um, a platform that kind of talks to parents as to how to meet the needs of their kids. Because these kids kind of feel like it wasn't their fault that you uprooted them. And yeah. all of a sudden, you're like moving, like, you know, and like six months down the line, they have to move somewhere else again and start all over again. So just imagine the toll it will have on, you know, the kids growing yeah. up and your sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say your parents did well in that regard? If they, and things they did well and things that you wish they could have done. And I'm asking this question just to help, you know, parents that are listening to this, or even kids that are listening to this and my friends or as TCKs, and how to kind of navigate, navigate your situation better. Hmm. So I think what they did well is that they definitely encouraged us to fully integrate and like fully explore what the, the environments that we were in, you know? So for example, when we we're in Germany, we had like German friends and we had, uh, we were like in activities at school and our parents were not the ones to stay, to be like, stay only in the Rwandan community, you know, like they, they really wanted us to enjoy being like in Germany and, 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 and then like, eat German food, do German activities, like, like integrating the society that we're in. Uh, same in Senegal, like we had Senegalese friends and we had like friends from Burkina Faso, from Mali. Like we really integrated with, within the international school system that we were in and with our peers and just got to understand that people think differently than we are, you know? Mm-hmm. But then I think as a, re- as a result of that, and, and this is where they could have done better, that they then didn't accept that then we wanted to think different. You know what I mean? Like, well, so, of course, like we're challenging them in a way. Yeah, exactly. So mm. I think, and I think that's the struggle. I, I'm scared I'll have that struggle when I have kids, obviously. <laughs> and then you realize their parents were not, they were just, yeah, 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 they were not superheroes. Have, yeah, exactly. Because now I'm realizing like, I mean, my parents, they, they left Rwanda when they were adults, you know, they mm-hmm. were like in their thirties, they had their careers, and you're they almost had there. Really, like a whole, a whole foundation and the whole exactly. identity. And then lives, sorry to know? cut you short, like in your thirties, which is not far from where you are. And you think that right now, I don't think you've figured out life, but the way we look at our parents, we think of them that as people that have figured out everything. Exactly. Yeah. And then exactly. And then, so that's happening. And they have all these kids that are basically behaving in a way that they don't understand, you know, and that they, 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 they truly can't just relate to. 
And so then their reflex was like, no, let's go back to normal and normal being what they knew as their normal, but not realizing that their normal and our normal are two different normals, you know? And so I think that could have been handled better. Like even now, even until today, we have discussions sometimes where you can just see that the way they think and the way I think are just different, you know? And I can recognize that we think different because I was influenced by all of, by growing up abroad, you know Mm, what I mean? mm, mm. Whereas for them, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. You're Rwandan. You should think like a Rwandan, you know? Um, like a Rwanda that was born and raised in Rwanda, you know what I mean? And yeah. so like kind of navigating that that ground of, yes, at, accepting that your kids are growing up in a different in, environment than you grew up in. And maybe that means that they will think differently than you do. And, and then trying to bridge that gap by kind of meeting them halfway or something. I think that could have been done better. But I'm not a parent. Maybe when I'm a parent, I will be like, hell no. Sorry, can I swear on your show? <laughs> Maybe I'll be like, no, this is not possible. Like, what were they thinking? But I know that, yeah, as, an, as a teenager or even now as like a young adult or as an adult, it, it, those were the hard moments when I had to go against something that I know my parents like truly deeply believed in and now I don't believe in anymore and, and having those discussions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, thank you so much for your robust responses yeah. to all of my questions. Even though some of them was like, where is that question coming from? We didn't talk about it. <laughs> I do appreciate your time on the show today. Before you leave, I'd like for you to give a shout out to your podcast and where we can find your podcast and what your podcast is about. Yes. So my podcast is called Jazz Avec Moi. Like uh, you said earlier, it means chat with me and it's a bilingual podcast, French and English. And really the goal of the podcast is to highlight other young African, uh, especially young, I guess young African professionals. The idea of it started because I'm in tech and there is not a lot of, Af- there's not a lot of black people, not a lot of Africans to begin with. And I cannot just felt like lonely going back to your question of belonging. Right. Yeah. And um, in today's society, like it can be really hard to meet like-minded pers- people in person, but I knew that if I put it online and just interview a lot of different interesting people. First of all, I am giving them a platform to sort of ex- ex- um, explore themselves, share what they're passionate about, share what they like, but also then get give them the opportunity to meet other people on the internet and maybe create some form of community of TCK and people who love them, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah. you can find it on the website. You can find it on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, anywhere really you can find podcasts. It's available and it drops every Wednesday. There you go, people. Go chat with, or well, go listen to her podcast, and she has such an interesting perspective and so many things. Now, while her podcast is in English, it's also in French. So if you're a dual language person, French and English, you'll find a lot of joy in her podcast. And if you're not a French speaker and you stumbled upon an episode, Don't worry, just keep scrolling down. You're going to find one that's in English as well. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any final thoughts you have before I um, let you go on your merry way? No, thank you so much. Uh, Final thoughts. No, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really glad that we got to meet and we got to chat over the last couple of days. Um, Really looking forward to see more of your work. And I like your perspective on life as well. And I really respect the fact that you're not afraid of asking the tough questions which we can be afraid of sometimes you know so someone's gotta do it (laughs) i know somebody does have gotta do it um (laughs) but no man wishing you well wishing you success and uh i guess for anybody on this show i would just encourage you know curiosity and empathy as we as we go in our daily lives, you know, because at the end of the day, like yeah. all human beings just want to be loved and they just want to feel safe and feel like they matter and what we're doing in this world matters, you know, and as long as we can remember that, I think that 
we will we will manage to live like happy fulfilled lives you know there you go people um she said it best Thank you so much for coming. We're going to give Danis thank you, thank you. So African it was. Like, yeah, I know, right? You, you you like, I know. Like, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you for coming on the show. Really, really love um, hearing your perspective on things. And I do wish you the best as well with your podcast and also in your job and especially your marriage coming up. Um, your wedding coming up, sorry. And when is it going to be, by the way? And I'll in December. Back. In December. Ooh. And it's going to be in Ghana. Ooh, wait, you... Wait, why Ghana? I thought it was supposed to be the bride's place. No, we did that already. So we're having two weddings. So oh. we, did, uh, we did the, like, traditional engagement, dowry mm. in Rwanda already. So you are yeah. married, married. It's just, you're just doing a party right later. Yeah, it's now we're going to do, like, yeah, church reception. Mm. It's in uh, in Ghana in December. Congratulations. Thank you, Thales. Thank you so much. Well, wishing the best in your wedding coming up and all of whatever else happens in between. Yes. Well, people, it's been um, a wonderful evening chatting with Michelle Mutoni from Rwanda. She was born in Burundi and um, she's a Rwandan Canadian. She describes herself as that. Um, go check out her, uh, her podcast called Jose Avekma. And this has been a podcast on the Mossable Podcast. And I hope to catch you guys on another episode of the podcast. I remain your host, Mossable. All right, girl. Bonne nuit. Bye. Merci. 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 Bye. Bye. <laughs>